Hola, welcome to the Latina, Lesbi y Que podcast, where we capture the stories of the lives of lesbian, bisexual, and queer Latinas. Ariana for coffee, I was struck by her big smile and her warmth, as well as her unique style. Ariana has a genuine and sweet way about her. That softness combined with her dapper boy style of dress is very attractive and interesting. I have a lot of respect for mujeres that are gender non-conforming in their dress and their sexuality. It takes a certain level of courage and confidence to live your truth and express it so creatively like Ariana does. She's also very relatable. I watched her as she talked during her interview, and I noticed that she was very thoughtful about her opinions and made these bright facial expressions when she talked. This mujer is all heart and soul, and it was my honor to interview her about some deeply personal experiences with recovery. It takes commitment and perseverance to live your truth by not conforming to gender role stereotypes, to become sober in a community deeply connected to alcohol, and to maintain a positive mindset about your life. She repeatedly expressed that it was her responsibility as well as her choice to stay so sober. She owned that commitment with joy and not as a burden, which tells me that it's taken and will continue to take some deep work. She talks about this in her interview that she's done a lot of work on herself and that's why she agreed to share her story. She sees sharing her story as part of the work that it will continue to take to stay sober and to help others into sobriety. I didn't know Ariana before, but it seems like Ariana is happier now that she's sober. That happiness looks really beautiful on her, and I wish her the best in all she does. Thank you, Ariana, for sharing your story with our podcast. And um, for our listeners, make sure to follow her Instagram account at Adventures 26 So hi, Ariana. Welcome to the Latina Lesbian Ike podcast. Um, hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I, um, you're such an interesting... Um, personality i mean even you like so? yeah even like your your yes. whole like a dapper boy boy style it, i mean I, oh, I just i just love men's fashion that's all it is i i love it i love women who who dress like that i think it's, oh thank you so much it's such a compliment you know what i mean um i just barely started just coming into my own skin i would uh -huh. say and just figuring out who i am and men's fashion is definitely how i feel comfortable that is who i am So how old, old were you when you started um, kind of coming into your to your own skin? I would say maybe like five years ago. I had a relationship uh, with a beautiful woman for six years, and Fine, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. It's like a marriage. It, it was. It, it definitely was. She's an amazing person, and um, you know, didn't work out. Didn't work out. But around that time. I can't say that I was myself. I wanted to make her happy, make her parents happy. So I had to dress a little feminine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She would put makeup on me. I'm embarrassed to say that. You know what I mean? But I did it for her. I did it for her family and no regrets, none whatsoever. But after the relationship, that's when I was like, okay, I want to cut my hair off. You know what I mean? I don't want to wear uh -huh. makeup ever again. Uh -huh. I want to, that is who, that is how I want to dress now. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And now I feel like I'm who I am. I'm, I'm proud of who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to, um, you have to do whatever makes your heart beat. Yeah. You uh -huh. know, and everybody's different. You know what I mean? I have so many friends that 
you know, dress different. I have a friend that likes to dress in uh, men's fashion, but also likes to wear makeup and everybody's different. You know what I mean? And all power to them. You know what I mean? Well, um, yeah. And that, that's why you, I don't, I don't know how I ended up connecting with you on Instagram, but, um, when you started talking about, um, sobriety, that oh, kind yeah. of, my, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I was like, I, I looked at it and I said, you know, this is, this is a, a, a topic that I've been wanting to talk about mm-hmm. and I've been wanting to, um, um, invite a guest on so that they could talk about that on air. So t- tell me a little bit about yourself, Ariana. Uh, where did you grow up? Um, I was born and raised in Glendale, California. Um, we have a big family. We are a family. I have four siblings. Yes. Four? Yeah. It, <laughs> it's hard for me to remember, but yeah. So we grew up in Glendale. Um, I come from a loving home. I love my parents so much. I love my brothers so much. And, um, yeah. To where your, where's your family from? You were, you were Peru. Ta- yeah. Somos peruanos. Yeah. Yeah. What part of Peru? Uh, Lima. Lima. Yeah. You see that I, I, I really, um, I like that too, because I, I, um, I want to represent and I want to talk, I want to talk to women from the whole different diaspora of Latino communities, not just Mexicanas. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I mostly have, I have access to a lot of Mexicanas, but I want to talk uh, talk to um, Central American women, uh, South American women, South uh, American. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah Latina queer women. Yeah, you know, to get those different um, different perspectives because although there's more Mexicanas around, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole different um, uh, group of, of Latinos that have mm-hmm. a, have a different perspective and opinion. And um, so, where did where did you go to school? In um, Glendale? Uh, no, we moved. I moved when I was five, and we went to to Ontario mm-hmm. for a few years, and then we moved out here when I was like fifteen. Mm-hmm. So I went to Patrick Henry Junior High School, then I went to Granada Hills High School. And were you out by that by that time? Definitely not. I had like, it, I just didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. I remember checking women out and not knowing why being it's so hard to explain Vettel. Like I knew something was different, but I didn't know what. And even though it was obvious, like Uh I remember having conversations with my friends in high school. Right. And they would talk to me about how cute guys were Uh and how the football team all have nice bodies and they would look at me and be like, Ari, don't you agree? Uh-huh. And I, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I would, but I would <laughs> nod my head like, uh-huh. yeah, wow, look at that hot guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I just, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Yeah. And did you have any, um, did you have a boyfriend or anything? Yeah, I had, I think I had like two or three and they were great, great guys. Um, very respectful. Uh, never pressured me into doing anything. I remember wanting to feel what they felt you know what I mean because like I said they were great guys and they Mm -hmm. really cared about me and I just it it was just I couldn't connect to them I there was something missing and around that time I had no idea what it was and into what age did you start kind of teasing it out and kind of um understanding that it might be that I might be a lesbian. Or that you might have a crush. Maybe um, not a lesbian, but just that you might have a same-sex attraction. I would say 2021. 
I had my first experience. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I remember kissing this girl, and it was like fireworks. And I never (laughs) felt that in my life. And I was like, okay, did this, you know. You're like, this this is for me. This is where home is. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I went to an all-girls high school, and I had a... um, I had a crush on, on one of my friends. I'm not going to say her name. <laughs> and I, rem- I remember um, we, we went out. And then when I, when I was, um, I don't know why I ended up walking her to her door. And I was going to lean in to kiss her. Oh. And I didn't, I didn't realize what I was doing. And she told me, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I was going to give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you. I just wanted a hug. I was 16. I was 16. You were 16. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was 16 around that time. And um, and then I was like, you know, I kind of just like uh, shook it off. And mm-hmm. but, but I've always been around. Um, I've always had a, 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 a big group of, of friends like Mujeres. And I've been uh-huh. on, I've been on, I was. I was even in a party crew in high school, and it was like all girls and stuff. So I was always hanging around all girls. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then at eighteen, I met my first girlfriend at the high school. Wow, I, eighteen. Uh, yeah. yeah, she was she was so cute. She was like this tall, skinny boy. She reminded me of um, uh, she reminded me of Winona Ryder when she had like a little p- uh, pixie short haircut. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. that was I think that was my my life. That's when I ended up falling in love for for life with boys. So it That's was so funny. It, yeah, the the girl that, you know, that I kissed when I was 20 or 21, she looked like Angelina Jolie. Oh. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of hot. Yes. Mm-hmm. It we we only lasted I think like 4 months, 5 months, but I'm always going to remember her. <laughs> <laughs> that's for life. Yeah, you you always end up yeah, so my first girlfriend, I'm still good friends with her. She has three kids. Um she's that lesbian who's married who's married to a, a another woman. She's oh, still uh-huh. yeah, she's still oh, lesbian. Okay, okay. She uh-huh. has her she has her three children and mm-hmm. she's she's still around. And um does your family know that you're a lesbian? Mine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom is just so supportive and you know, she at first had a hard time with it because oh, I'm the only girl. Like any, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they all came around. My brothers were always supportive. I have a twin brother. Um, oh, you do? I do. Yeah. yeah, he's the love of my life. And then I'm also close to my brother, Ryan. Mm-hmm. They were both just so supportive. They, you know what I mean? They're always there for me. And yeah. Did they know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did they know? No, yeah, before. No, of course not. Did not you have anymore. a formal coming out experience or did it did it just kind of happen? It just kind of like. No, no. I, I told people like, I think the first person I told was my twin brother. And, you know, he just asked me like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. Yeah. And he was like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I don't remember having bad experiences. I've had, I've had friends that have had, you know, awful experiences with coming out, but. I don't remember having that. My mom was awful. I mean, she, she was, was yeah, she was a drama queen. Uh, it was well, My mom just uh, had to come around, you know? She didn't talk to me for like 3 months, but she's yeah, cool mine too. now. She's like super super cool now with it. She she even tells me that, you know, she wants me to settle down and have a girlfriend, blah blah blah, you know. And she compliments the way I dress and you know, she's so cute. Oh, I how love cute. My mama. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just the best. Yeah, my mom just kind of started coming around, maybe 20 years later. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. She, my mom's hardcore. She, um, during the Orlando shooting, she okay. remember the yeah, Orlando yeah, yeah, shooting yeah, in Florida. Yeah. So that week, Pulse, right? Yeah, right. at Pulse nightclub, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she called me that weekend, and she asked me, um, "Where are you?" And um, my ex, I'm not going to say her name. What are you guys doing this weekend? And I was like, "Oh, we're just here at the house." And she said, "I don't want you guys. Uh, I don't want you guys going out this weekend." Oh wow! And um, and she said, "I want you to come. I want you to um, come on Tuesday because I want to talk to you." And um, and then so so I went in. And I went to go talk to her, and she and she finally told me she's like, "Look, uh, um, you and 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 what's your name are welcome at at, at my house anytime." And, wow! Um, so it, it took that. It took that, and that I, go, I told her, "Good yeah. man, it took you twenty darn years to to come around." And um, so yeah, she's she's barely coming coming around to it, but yeah, it was it was kind of tough. So so we we deal with it. I mean, everybody thinks that coming out is just like a one one um, one episode or one conversation with your family, but it's just like this ongoing no, thing in a, a lifetime, no. right? Yeah. Definitely not. So um, I invited you to, to talk about um, sobriety, oh, yeah. right? Right. And um, when you were growing, growing up in, in um, your family, what was your relationship with drinking like? It was a very healthy one. Like my family, they were great. Um, they taught me a lot about you know, just love. They loved me unconditionally. There was nothing toxic no. about my childhood at all. What age did you start drinking? My first drunk experience, I was 16. But I can't say that that's when I started, you know, um, becoming like an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. It was, I would say, a few years ago. I think I started, like, just turning it up a notch mm-hmm. or three notches, maybe. You know what I mean? Um yeah, but it, my childhood was great. You know what I mean? I, I didn't have anything traumatizing that happened. Or... And the, re- the reason why I, I, I wanted to talk about sobriety is because I grew up in a sober home. My dad was very, um, he was very involved in AA. He stopped drinking at tw- when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And he spent the rest of his life like really deeply immersed in, in, in AA meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd go to conferences and he'd open up... Um, he he'd help open up some groups in the East LA area that oh, wow. for Spanish speaking. Oh, um, wow, very much involved. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I always grew up in a in, in a sober sober home, and I wanted to talk about that in how how do sober women in the lesbian community find community in, in that um, being sober and being gay because a lot of our activities center around alcohol mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, did your family influence you to go into recovery? No, it was something that I wanted to do for myself because there just came a point where I was miserable. How come? Because just being drunk all the time, you're not doing anything. You know what I mean? I wasn't doing anything with my life. It was just a routine and I'm not happy. I wasn't happy with just that routine. I felt like I was brought into this world to do more than just be an alcoholic. And so I had to make a move. And was there anything specific that kind of um, triggered you into making that move? It was just all me. You know what I mean? Like I said, like I, 
I was depressed and I didn't want to be depressed anymore. I became um, desperate to change. And so I did everything that I needed to do. Well, that's very insightful of you to have um, have taken that step to kind of realize that you're you're depressed and that you need you need to make a change. Did, mm-hmm. So, um, did any of your friends or, or family members ask you to go into AA? I would say my brother Ryan. Um, I would talk to him. I remember talking to him when I was drunk, and telling him then that I wanted to get help. So once I talked to him about that, every time he would see me drunk after that, he would just give me that look. You know what I mean? And he was always very patient with me. It was a hard thing to admit to myself that I had a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. It was a hard thing for me to walk in to an AA meeting. It was hard. But I I had my brother Ryan there to support me Mm -hmm. with love with kind words you know what I mean so and what do you think you were drinking so much I became addicted to it you know what I mean um I started off just going out with friends drinking Mm -hmm. uh figured out that alcohol gives you confidence um made me numb to feelings and a habit became my addiction and what about it was it was problematic for you? Because I always I was I always think of maybe um, uh, of an addiction of uh, usually um, it's when you have a problem with um, social relationships or your job or or your or your school functioning. So it interferes with one of those those areas. Did it interfere with any of your um, personal relationships or or your job? I can't say my job you- because I would still show up. Um, a lot of people didn't know about my addiction because I hid it very, very well to the point where I would hide my bottles to the point oh, where you would hide your bottles. Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, when I would go out with my friends, I would pre-party before the pre-party. Oh yeah. And I wouldn't tell my friends. I wouldn't tell my friends like I just had six shots by myself. Oh, you know by I mean? yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. And why did you, um, and why did you feel like you needed a pre-party so much? Or I wasn't at, um, you started off and then you couldn't, couldn't control it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that I did. You know what I mean? Um, I was powerless over alcohol. That's just the truth. And anytime I would go out with my friends, I just, I, I felt like I needed more confidence. You know what I mean? And how come you seem like such a confident person? Thank you so general. much. It's yeah. who I am today. You know yeah. what I mean? Because just like I said, the, the sobriety journey, I learned a lot about myself. You know what I mean? So, but back then it was just, I was a mess. I would say, you know what I mean? I was an alcohol. I'm an alcoholic, but it, I was very much broken. I was very, very much broken. And so how many days um, sober are you now? Uh, I would say two years and a month, two years and a month. Oh, great. Yeah. Congratulations. November, 2016. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely been a journey and you know, it was crazy experience, but I wouldn't change it. Definitely wouldn't change it because I learned so much about myself. Mm-hmm. 
And how do you feel right now? Just say physically. Great. Like, I feel like I'm 21, Vettel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel great. I have a lot of energy. And, you and, know and I mean? But how old are you? 36. I'm uh, 36 years old. 36 going on 21. Yes. Yeah, and that the first time I met you, I was I asked you your age, and I thought, oh, my God, girl, you you look good for your age. They, that is such a compliment. I want to blame my mom for that. Mm-hmm. Great genes. And, um, and my father. And no alcohol because that... Um, Tarruga, it um yeah right uh, and it makes you red yeah it makes you <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. you red it swollen, wrinkles you yeah. a little bit swollen yeah, yeah 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 so you do do feel the difference physically oh yeah definitely definitely um mentally you know I just feel stronger and I'm able to remember a lot of things now you know what I mean and I'm able to just um be present with all the conversations that I have with people yeah. and I love that. I love that. Well, that's really important because um, you're taking advantage of, 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 of your life in those moments that are, are, are meaningful. You grasp them right then and there. I'm right? able to now. Yeah. I'm able to but, now. And not before. So um, when you were, you say you were drinking a lot, how, what, what was the frequency like? How many times a week were you drinking? Wow. For sure, five to six times. A week? Yeah. 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 Five to six times a week. That and- must have been expensive. It was, uh, yeah, you know what, you're right. Now that I think about it, you're right. Um, because my what I would drink was uh, whiskey. I love Jameson. Oh, me that too. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what I mean? I remember drinking that all the time, and it was expensive. But it's just something that I really wasn't thinking about back then. I just needed my drink, and that's that. So you would drink at home? I would drink at home, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would drink at home in my room, and... Just drink until I blacked out. You know, that's that's my truth. That's what would happen. Yeah. And were you in a relationship back then? I was not. I was dating, but nothing serious. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what what was what was it like the first time that you ended up going into an AA meeting? It was I mean, scary that- for me. I was that, ashamed. That, there, there was just so many emotions there. And what made you go true. that day? That first because day? Because I, I made a promise to myself. I There were two to three times, I can't really remember, that I tried to get sober without any help. And You tried to do cold turkey. Yeah, 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 yeah without AA, without anything. And um, one of the times I told myself, if I relapse one more time, I'm going to go to AA. And that's exactly what happened. I relapsed. The very next day, I went to AA. I was still drunk, but I walked into those me- to, to um, the meeting. Where did you walk into? Uh, the city. Mm-hmm. It was North Hollywood on Chandler. It was an all-women's meeting, and it was great. That's right, because um, you live in the valley. Yes. Yeah, you live in the valley. Mm-hmm. And how did you um, how did you find that meeting? Um, online, there's you know what there's so many resources. Mm-hmm. You could just go online and type in um, AA meeting near me, mm-hmm. and you can find so many different meetings around your area in different times. So what's it like to walk into an AA meeting? The first time uh-huh. it was it was very scary for me, and it was very real. Because I felt like I was accepting that I was an alcoholic. That was scary. But 
as soon as, you know, sitting down and hearing the beautiful women, you know, the beautiful people in AA talk about their story, that's when I realized that I belonged in there because their stories are similar to my stories. Mm-hmm. We all have something in common. I felt at home. Yeah, I, and that's a, um, that's a beauty of, of, of group therapy because you can kind of empathize with each other yeah. because you've gone through similar experiences and you feel you've yeah. felt similar emotions around mm-hmm. So the, there wasn't, I've never felt like embarrassed to, to talk about what I went through because everybody in there has gone through it. And did you ever feel judged? I never felt judged never felt judged in there. It was such a, um, a genuine connection because we all, I don't know how to explain this, Veronica, but we all have in a way, um, not, I don't want to say suffered, you know what I mean? But we've all gone through similar path and it was, Kind of like a, gosh, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I'm, let me let me see if I, I, I understand you. Well, you, you have a very common experience. We have a common experience. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and it was painful for a lot of us. And to just gather around a group and talk about it and be there and support one another. And there is a lot of people in the groups that are still having a very, very hard time remaining sober to be able to hug them because you've been there. It's a beautiful experience. And I could honestly say that it was AA that saved my life. Oh, I bet. I can honestly Mm -hmm. say that. I bet. Yeah. 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 Having that type of support from other peers. I needed that. It's powerful. I I needed that. I had a lot of support. Let me say this. I had so much support from my family, mm-hmm. from my friends, but it's a different type of support. Yeah, it's therapeutic. It comes, yeah. It's therapeutic. When it comes to the AA meetings because mm-hmm. they went through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of my friends, all of my friends actually, and my, and my family, um, they didn't go through that. They didn't go through, you know what I mean? Um, they're not alcoholics. You know what I mean? So just talking to someone that is an alcoholic, it's, you know what I mean? It's different. Well, yeah, it, it, it's, it's therapeutic. I can, can imagine that it's empowering too. You, you gather, you gather strength from each other mm-hmm. and, um, you don't feel judged. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I, I, I believe that maybe that relationship holds you even more accountable to your own sobriety because now you're, um, accountable to each other in that in that sense mm-hmm. i've never um i've never been in aa but i i know this about um group therapy because i'm i am a therapist myself but mm-hmm. but i but group therapy is always very very powerful for certain types of um certain types of, of what we call disorders and an addiction would be a, a I, considered a disorder i love therapy I think it's a wonderful thing to to be able to, you know, talk about your truth. I think there are so many people out there that aren't talking about their truth. And it could just lead to, like, you know, really, really bad situations. You know what I mean? I think the more you talk about your feelings, the better you are. 
Well, which is why I invited you too, because I I wanted um, wanted somebody to talk about about this mm-hmm. uh, about this issue. Yes, I'm an open book, Veronica. Mm, yeah, you 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 are. You're you're very you're very approachable and relatable, and I really appreciate that you that that um, you you you're here. Yeah, yeah, I love this. Definitely. So so what worked this time this time that didn't this time around that didn't work for you before? Like why what was what was different this time around? I was desperate. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was desperate this time. And, you know, I also had AA. I had my sober sisters there to to help me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Any time that I even thought about drinking, I would call. I would call someone, someone in, in the meeting. Uh-huh. And I would just be honest with them. Like, hey, I want to drink. They would remind me of why I'm at the meetings. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like I said, I was desperate. So anything that they suggested, I did. And what did you do? I read a lot. What did you read? Um, Just like different um, books. Uh, On sobriety? On AA or? No, no, no. It was like self-help books Mm -hmm. that kept my mind busy. Um, I also learned how to meditate. Uh, just keeping my myself busy, you know what I mean? Watching movies. I love watching movies and stuff like that. Um, they would also suggest to go to a meeting at that moment mm-hmm. because you could always find one. There is always a meeting, you know what I mean? Oh, so different times. So that's interesting. If you're if you're having a difficult moment, go to a meeting. Go to a walk run. In. Yeah, <laughs> run to a meeting. Yeah, walk yeah, yeah. To a meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wondered about that too um, because. Um, when I would see my dad or go to um, go to events or drop him off, and he'd say, "Oh, well, there's a group open right now at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, they I'm just going to go hunt. Every, like almost every hour, you could find one. And I'd be, I, I, it's such a wonderful thing. And I always wondered about it, but I never asked him. But I was like, why? Why is it open at two o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, there. I mean, I think the latest one that I've seen was like eleven thirty p.m. That's, but that's what I've seen. Uh, there might be, you know, some later. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you find a sponsor? Oh, at AA, in, in the AA meeting, yeah. At the, I think like towards the end of the group, they they ask if there is someone that's willing to be a sponsor and the people that are willing to sponsor you, they'll like raise their hand mm-hmm. and then, but you also have to um, feel comfortable yeah, with I, your sponsor because that's the person that is going to know everything about you. Yeah, it should you know be a good mean? fit. It has to be a good fit. It has to be a good fit. And there are times that it's not a good fit. And when it's not a good fit, that's okay. Yeah. Just look for someone that is. You know what I mean? Like, don't feel discouraged. And how many sponsors have you gone through? If you have? One. Uh-huh. One that it didn't work out for me. Um, she's a, she was, she's a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't a fit for me. Yeah. And so right now, I want to look for a different sponsor so is it important to to always have a sponsor my tr- I, I can't say that the way that I did things Veronica mm-hmm. works for yeah. every alcoholic yeah it's like my path is not your path it, it yeah. really you know what I mean that's just the way it is yeah um is it working for me yes mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so because I know how I am I know you know who I am and I definitely want another sponsor and do your friends, 
What do your uh, friends and family um, think about you being an A? Do they support you? Definitely. But how do they support you? Um, What do you mean, like, how, like... Um, Well, do they... Are are they positive about it? Oh, of course. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Do they drink around you? Or pressure you to drink? I encourage people to be who they are around Mm me. I feel very weird when... I know that somebody wants to drink around me and they don't uh-huh. be who you are. Uh-huh. If you want to drink, by all means drink. I just don't drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the reason why I asked that is, um, cause I remember I, I, all my dad's friends. I mean, even to the last moment where, uh, when he, um, when he passed away, they were all friends from AA, all his, uh, sober brothers. Right? And they've yeah. they've been friends for uh, thirty years, and they've mm-hmm. always so every um, every event that we had was a, a sober event, and it just kind of didn't really. Um, it I didn't even really think about it. It was if that was that. Yeah, no, uh, my I have friends that aren't alcoholics, and um, I love them, and they support me. And you know, when we go out, there is nothing weird about it. They are able to be who they are. They are able to drink. And, you know, I just stick to my cranberry juice. Oh, how cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love cranberry juice. It's delicious. Yeah, I had to, I, that reminds me, too. I have this friend, too, that um, is sober. And she would order, like, these um, virgin cocktails or... or um, I can't do that. No, like... I don't a, know why. Like, they, there's also um, non-alcoholic beer. Uh-huh. I just... I, I, I can't do it. It just... It just seems too close to home you know what i mean i I wouldn't be able to oh like uh yeah i never did it you're imitating drinking yeah Yeah, like i don't want to do it i don't want to do it psychologically it's still a drinking habit it'd be just like it you know what i mean but that's just my you know the way that i am it Uh it might work for other people and if it does cool oh that makes sense that Mm -hmm. that does make a, a lot of sense and um out of the groups that you go to have you seen any lgbtq groups I've seen women, yeah, there. That, uh, but you know, are there any AA groups that are... Um, yeah, you, I'm sure you could definitely find it. You know, like I said, just go online and, you know, type in, you know, LGBTQ groups, AA groups. You know what I mean? I'm, there there are some that are out there for sure. And the, one that, the ones that you go to, are they English-speaking or yes. Spanish-speaking? English. Mm-hmm. English-speaking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're women's groups. Yes. There are all kinds so of there groups, are mo- Veronica. Yeah, you just got to look for it. You can find what you're looking for. Uh-huh. Um, and so how did the sobriety impact your friendships? Wow, that's a uh-huh. really good question. Because um, I, I mean, you know, this for me, this is like a touchy subject. And let me tell you why. I can imagine. This is why I also wanted to invite you to talk about this. <laughs> um. I feel like I have the best friends ever. And I feel that way because there till today I sometimes think back, right? And I think back at all the stuff that I've done. I was about to cuss and I did it. <laughs> Thank you. Um and I kind of so I I I do. I sometimes feel guilty. And I think just the stuff that I've done, the stuff that I said to other people, to my friends, there are times I'm sure I've upset them. I'm sure that I've made them angry. I'm sure that I've hurt their feelings. I'm sure that I've embarrassed them. And 
I just think to myself, how lucky I am to still have them there. Oh, because I didn't feel like I deserved that. That is the definition of unconditional love because they were there when I was at my absolute worst and they're there today. They're still there today. You know what I mean? Uh And the way that it changed, I am able to give them what they deserve. They deserve a healthy me. Mm -hmm. They deserve a healthy friendship. And I give them that today. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It's definitely touchy, like I said, because, you know, in the start of my sobriety, you you get like it's like a mirror Veronica Mm -hmm. and you see all of your crap you know what I mean and not only do you see it you Uh have to write about it and you have to talk about it and that is so so hard to do because I love my friends I love my family and to think at all the stuff that I've done all the times that I've hurt them that at some it it could even make me emotional Mm -hmm. to think about you know what I mean? Yeah. But they have forgiven me, and I am blessed to still have them today as my friends. Definitely. And do and do your do they still drink? Oh yeah, yeah. and and I well, I yeah. I make them their drinks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just don't drink. You know what I mean? I just don't do it. It's just something that I don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I encourage them to do what feels right for them. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm never going to look at them and take away their drink and tell them that it's bad for you. You know what I mean? No. I want them to have a good time. And if they're able, you know, to drink, then by all means. Yeah, because I do believe that some people do have um, um, more trouble self-regulating themselves around alcohol or with alcohol. So they have, uh, they have trouble with alcohol and there are people that can handle um, alcohol and do not become addicted to it. There's a strong biological um, connection to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it must be, uh, it must be difficult to find a community of sober lesbians or do you even want to find a community of sober lesbians? No, Is that important? It's not important to me, Veronica. Like, um, I live my life the way that, you know, makes me happy. And I do, you know, I go to work, I hang out with my friends, I hang out with my family. It's just not an important thing Mm -hmm. that I surround myself with With a community of sober people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, That's just not what I need. It may may be something that somebody else needs. And Mm -hmm. if, you know, we're just all different and, my my truth is that I, I don't need to surround myself with a community of sobriety people. So, did you lose any any friends that you, that you used to oh, party yeah. with? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say maybe like a few people that uh, you know our friendship was just based on alcohol. You know what I mean? And when I took alcohol out of my life, it was a different feel it was a different friendship and you know 
some said that I, I, I was boring now and, you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And um, the people that I did lose, I hope that they're well. And, you know, it just our friendship just wasn't meant to be, you know. And. Well, probably not. I mean, some of these connections are, are can be very superficial. With um, I learned with, that yeah, you're friends. you're absolutely right. I learned that yeah. you know, lesson learned, and yeah. you know, I still wish them the best, though. People come and go out of your life, and that's what should. my mom used yeah. to tell me all the time. Mm-hmm. She is correct. You know, I have a I I have a lot of friends, and I and I know. Um, I've met a lot of people through this um, podcast and through the meetup group, mm-hmm. but I have a, a, a small circle of, of mm-hmm. really dear and close friends that I've known for about um, about 25 years. Oh wow, yeah. that's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. So I know I know these these are my um, my, my best friends that, mm-hmm. that I can rely on mm-hmm. rely on. Um, so I, I do socialize a lot. Has it been, where do you socialize now? I, do you still go out? To- yeah, absolutely. Um, I love going to West Hollywood. Um, you know what? It, it, it's just all about my company, to be 100% honest, because I, I pretty much just go anywhere. It just depends. You know, I mean, I'm just happy with great company, mm-hmm. to be 100% honest. But, yeah, I go I go to West Hollywood. I, I, I love dancing, you know what I mean? And I love live music. So, was it challenging for you to date? I mean, okay, so let me rephrase that. Was it challenging for you to date while you were drinking? And is it challenging for you to date now at, at being sober? Uh, you know what, Veronica, to be 100% honest, I think yes. it's always going to be a challenge. Whether you're sober, whether, you know, you're drinking, whether you're straight, whether you're gay, what, what, regardless. I think it's, it's hard dating, period. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, sobriety or. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree with that, too. I mean, it, it is kind of ch- challenging, too. Are you are you asking, like, if I get weird reactions when I tell someone or um, a woman? Maybe that, too. No, yeah. no, I don't. You know what I mean? I, and I think it's also like my age. Mm-hmm. I think if I were to date like and this is just me guessing, assuming this is, you know what I mean? I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I think that maybe if I started dating like 20 year olds, they might have a problem with me not drinking because they're at that age where they want to go out and party. They want to mm-hmm. go out and have fun. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now because I'm dating women that are over 30, they're already kind of like trying yeah. to, you know, settle, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I haven't had an issue with it. So are you single now, Ariana? I am. Mm-hmm. And um, do you plan on, on, on staying single? Because I, and I asked you that, too, because I know AA has a certain recommendation. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they recommend that, like, the first year that you don't date, just because, you know, the first year of sobriety, you're really, really doing a lot of work on yourself. yourself. And you should be alone to figure yourself out. You know what I mean? So I already did that. I, you know, I feel like I've grown a lot. I feel like I know what I bring to the table, and I am definitely uh, ready to date. So what kind of woman are you looking for now that you're sober compared to uh, before? Is it different? Ay, Veronica. Listen, okay. If you would have asked me this question maybe like three years ago, 
I would have just listed everything that my exes look like and how they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Latina, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh, dark skin, brown eyes, black hair. Um, the truth is, though, Heavy. I don't know. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what happened. I saw this show. Have you seen um, the show Married at First Sight? No, but I've heard about it. Okay, yeah. but, but you get, like, what it's about. Uh-huh. Like, these people, they have, like, uh, matchmakers uh-huh. set them up. The first time that they meet, it's at the altar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was one season that I saw that just messed me up. So I remember the season where this guy is waiting at the altar, right? All of his family, his friends, you know, they're there. They're excited for him. They have no idea what the wife looks like, mm-hmm. right? But he's so excited, and you see it in yeah. his face, right? And this, the you know, his wife starts walking towards him, and the camera zoom in on her face. She looks so disappointed. Oh, I feel bad for the guy. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, how sad. Okay? Uh-huh. So they interview her later, and she tells, you know, she says, "He's not what I usually date." He's not what I usually go for. I date this. I date tall guys. I date, you know, guys that work out. You know, she listed everything that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, they start talking more. Now, they're not getting intimate because she's not attracted to him because that's not her type. So there's no intimacy. So all they're doing is talking, talking, getting talking, talking getting to know yeah. each other. They fall in love. Of course. They Today, oh. have a baby together. Oh, So yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. Well, you know, uh, uh, statistically, uh, around the world, uh, or um, arranged marriages have a like a 5 to, t- to 10% uh, divorce rate. Well, compared compare to um, people who, like American uh, uh, That's marriages, interesting. Really? Yeah. They work out better than um, than people who who end up meeting each other, having sex, and 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 doing all of this even before, mm-hmm. or even it's it's a better it's a be- better uh, divorce rate than even people who end up living together before, because in that that uh, increases your likelihood of getting a divorce if you end up living together uh, mm-hmm. before that. That's so interesting. Yeah, arranged marriages do work out better than than. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but so it this makes, makes sense. sense. It yeah. does make sense. You know what I mean? So. I don't want to say, okay, I normally date this, 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 this. Because the truth is, I have no idea what my soulmate looks like. Mm-hmm. No idea. You know, we're going to, uh, we read this book in, in our meetup group, and we're going to read it again. It's called Deeper Dating mm-hmm. and um, by Ken Page. And he talks about um, dating out of desperation versus oh. dating out of inspiration. Mm. So these uh, um, practices of dating out of desperation, you end up um, he, uh, um, you end up dating these people who are feeling a need or a void, and you keep on dating kind of the same person. And there's an activity in the book where you um, where you list all your exes, and <laughs> some, some, <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh-huh. it's like a grid, right? Mm-hmm. You list all your exes mm-hmm. and what they look like, and try to find some commonalities. And I found some commonalities that um, I'm going to try and avoid in the future. Now, you definitely, yeah, because you I have to live and learn. Yeah. Because I want to date out of inspiration, which yeah. is. Um, a Find somebody that inspires you and give that person an opportunity. And Mm -hmm. I haven't done that before very uh, consciously. I think it's so hard to, you know, one of the reasons why it's so hard to date that I've seen, you know what I mean? A lot of women are so traumatized 
by something that happened with one of their exes that mm -hmm. they don't want to be vulnerable to you. You know what yeah. I mean? There are so many people walking around that haven't healed from their last yeah, they, relationship. They, ha they haven't worked out their, their own their own stuff. Yeah. And when they mean? come so, to you, they're a little they're bit, not, yeah, they're not ready. They're for not you. ready. They're you not ready. I mean? So, I mean, one of the things for sure that I do require, I would say it's a requirement that the woman that I date next needs to be ready, needs to be ready to be in a relationship, needs but, to be ready to be vulnerable to me. For but sure. so do you. So you need to, you kind of need am. to have a, a, a list and you need to be ready. So like, I, I am a hundred percent ready. So next time I invite you back and I ask you, Arena, what kind of woman are you looking for? You'll be able to tell me. I'll <laughs> tell me you a, that I, I just, give me a list now I want a woman that is just ready to, to be, you know, to be in love, to, to be in a relationship. But that's kind of tough too, because how do you, um, a lot of women want, I mean, what does that really look like in, in another person when they're, um, they're well put together, you know what I mean? They have their goals. They're yeah, going after yeah, their true. dreams. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what that looks like to me. Um, I've dated women where, you know, we're having a conversation and then they start talking about their ex and they become so angry <laughs> and I'm like, holy, you know, yeah, yeah. Beep. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, that's a sign that they're not ready. You yeah, know what I mean? That they're still, yeah, they're still, that they're still feeling there. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it is definitely, uh, hard that, to date. But yeah, that's, that's kind of tough because you mean a lot of lesbians are still like, Oh, um, I'm still good friends with my ex and I'm, I still, my ex is still a good friend and I still talk to my ex. So there aren't a lot of clean cut, clean, um, I think cuts. It, so I that's, think it that's, has a lot to do with the reason for the breakup, because I'm one of those that support exes mm -hmm. being friends because I'm friends with my ex. I'm only friends with one ex. The other ones I could I'm not friends like, with all of my exes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The one that there, I have one that cheated. We're not friends. And I don't hate <laughs> her. You know, there's, I don't, I don't uh -huh. think, hmm. <laughs> I just, I just don't feel the need to reach out and be her friend. No, I don't No, not You know me what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the recent ex-girlfriend, there was no infidelity. There was no abuse. You know what I mean? We broke up because we both decided that it was toxic. We weren't growing mm -hmm. as a couple anymore. And we decided to cut ties. Um, and we're friends. You know what I mean? I, I think she's an amazing person and I don't regret anything. And you know what I mean? So I definitely do support exes being friends. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know how I feel. I don't, I have an opinion about that, but I still need to work, work, work that one out, yeah. out about exes being, about exes being friends. What's your opinion about it? Oh, it it's, it's, but it has, I think it has a lot to do with yeah. the reason that you broke up with uh -huh. them. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think so. So I, I, you know, I, I, I can't really have a, a, a bad opinion about it, um, or tell somebody not to do it because I am very, uh, I am very actually very good friends with one of my exes. And, yeah, but she has it's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know and, what I mean, like you guys share yeah, and so I, many things together. Yeah, I, why not? I've known her. I've known her 24, 25 years out of my life. Holy. Yeah. So yeah. she has her own family and her own uh, and her own life and and. Yeah, my ex yeah. is married. She has a beautiful baby boy, and yeah. her wife is beautiful. And uh -huh. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's there, all love. It's yeah, all it's love. all love about, about yeah. that. But it's it it. I hope I hope that I hope that um, 
I wish that you do find a, a really good I woman am. too. I yeah, am. Like I know it's coming because you're you doing all I mean? this work. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I know it's coming. It's all in due time. I think when the, you know, the time is right. But I need, I I feel like you might need to be very mindful about, um, and very thoughtful about who, who you let into your life because you're doing a lot of good work. You're building a, you're building a good life. So Mm -hmm. you need somebody that will inspire you. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Veronica. I mean, you know, like I said, I think it's, it's going to happen and you know what I mean? I'm, just going to continue doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And when it's right, you know what I mean? I'll, she'll walk into my life and I'll be waiting with open arms uh, <laughs> with my radio playing a romantic love song. So did you hear that, ladies? Ariana? <laughs> <laughs> Ariana single. I still own a radio. Uh-huh. Ariana single. <laughs> and she, she just wants uh, top ladies, okay, oh, that are Lord. emotionally available. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. emotionally available. And, Perfect. And, and inspiring. Yes. So, Ariana. And I can cook. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, can you cook? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mama taught me how to cook. It's mostly like Peruvian dishes, though. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what, what can you cook? Lomo saltado, oh tallarines verdes, papa oh. la huancayina. What else? Ce- ceviche. Oh, ceviche. Ceviche. Yeah, that's easy. Oh, uh, delicious. Do you know how to cook? Yeah, I do. I can throw down in the kitchen, yeah. actually. Yeah. That's a great quality. Uh-huh. Definitely. Yeah, not a lot of people. When I tell them that I can cook, they don't. They don't believe me, but I can. I've always loved to cook. My mom. My mom cooks, but I'm the one that that. Um, That's a great that quality. Cook, cooking. Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah I love to cook. It, I think it's really. I don't like to cook, yeah. but I can do it. No, I love to cook. Really? I, yeah, I love to cook. So like, if um, somebody says like Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, I'm the person that does enjoy doing that. I don't like to clean or organize. So I'd rather do the dishes. Yeah, me and uh, not me. I would rather bite off my left pinky than really than do the <laughs> dishes and do do that. That's funny. But uh, I also wanted to ask you, um, I, I wanted to thank you for sharing your story, too, because I've approached a couple of people mm-hmm. about talking about um, some of their experiences with sobriety, and they ha- they've been very hesitant about doing that. And, and I, I get it, too, about why, why somebody wouldn't want to um, go on a podcast and talk about their, their sobriety. But um, why is it important for you to do this? Um. What kind of feedback do you get? This is my this is my truth, Veronica. Like this is who I am. You know what I mean? I'm an alcoholic. And I one of my favorite things is talking to people on social media. I have random oh, I love that too. I think you should continue doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I have people that I've never met before um DM me uh-huh. and start talking to me about what they're going through. Yeah. And to hear them say that I am inspiring them to get clean. Yeah. That I can't tell you the happiness mm-hmm. that brings my heart. Yeah, that's good stuff. It I love your soul. that. I love talking to people about it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to continue to share my story. I'm going to continue to, you know, um, talk to whoever dms me about you know this you know about alcohol i was looking on on the um 
the AA website for Los Angeles County, and they do also in, they do encourage it. So it says be of service, uh, be yeah. the hand of it. AA. I love they, that. Yeah. They look for public information speakers. Yes. They want. Um, this is a, a, a large part of of the um, that the therapeutic process of of AA of Alcoholics Anonymous is being to, of service, being of service, yes. and talking about your story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I read that it does help support your own recovery when you when you engage in these activities. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it just makes me feel like stronger. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it motivates me to keep going, to keep, um, you know, staying clean. Definitely. And um, so, what are you doing now? T- talk to me a little bit about your um, YouTube videos. How did you start doing that? Oh, I mean, it, it, it's just you know, again, just wanting to help people and you know, talk about subjects that are hard to talk about. I want to just help as many people as I can. And not just, you know, because of, um, not just um, sobriety, but just everything else in general. You know what I mean? I I am doing another video. I'm working on another video right now with sobriety. But before that, we did um, a video about bullying. We did a video about uh, sex, um, gay discrimination. So I just, you know, I just, I want to help people as much mm-hmm. as I can, but all that's all. So then uh, if, if, are you, would you be open for people to people contacting you after they listen to, to this podcast mm-hmm. and, um, just messaging you about, I don't know, um, AA, of course, alcoholics, it could, your experience. It could be about anything. I'm willing to talk to people mm-hmm. about anything. It's all love. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that attitude that you have about uh, um, being able to live in a world even where everybody is not sober, right? Because that's a world that you need to live in. Definitely. Um, anywhere you turn, there's going to be alcohol, you know uh-huh. what I mean? But it was AA that gave me the tools to stay strong, you know what I mean? Alcohol is just not for me, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's everywhere. But any house that I go to, mm-hmm. you know, it's there. You turn on the TV, it's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I just got stronger and I learned the tools to help me remain sober. Yeah, so. they, this is this is your process. This mm-hmm. is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most definitely. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share or talk about before before we um, before we end? Mm-hmm. No. Well, mm-hmm. Ariana, I'm so happy that you um, came onto our podcast and that, t- that you shared your story. Thank you so Thank much for you. having me. I really love what you're doing. You know what I mean? This Latina Lesby podcast. I love it. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what you're doing, Veronica. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Adriana. Thank you. I wanted to dedicate a couple of episodes to substance abuse and mental health in the lesbian community because this is a re- relevant and timely topic. I reviewed some of the recent statistics from a 2015 national survey on drug use and health titled Sexual Orientation and Estimates of Adult Substance Use and Mental Health. The research suggests that sexual minorities, which include people who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, are at greater risk for substance use and mental health issues compared with the heterosexual population. This national survey found that sexual minorities were more likely to use illicit drugs in the past year, to be current cigarette smokers, and to be current alcohol drinkers compared with their heterosexual peers. Specifically, sexual minority females were more likely than heterosexual females to be current alcohol users, binge drinkers, and heavy drinkers. 
Among sexual minority females, 64% were current alcohol drinkers, 38% were binge drinkers, and 8% were heavy drinkers. Heterosexual females had lower rates at 51% for current alcohol use, 21% for binge alcohol use, and 4.4% for heavy alcohol use. So basically, lesbian, bisexual, and queer women are drinking more than heterosexual women. This got me thinking, what is it about our community that places us at risk for substance abuse? I don't believe that the problem is, is the individual. I believe that the environment is sick. I use an ecosystems and a strengths perspective in my work as a psychiatric social worker, and I see the environment as a major reason that our community is at greater risk for substance abuse. I found three reasons in the literature that explain this risk. Number one is stress and lack of support systems. So members of the LGBT community face chronically higher levels of stress than heterosexuals. Many LGBTQ people have a long personal history of social prejudice, having to negotiate culture, religion, and sexuality. We face discrimination in laws, in employment practices, in housing, uh, in relationship recognition and healthcare, and as well as stigma and challenges with our family and friends. This kind of stress builds up and can lead to higher levels of anxiety, fear, isolation, depression, anger, and mistrust of people that can then lead to self-medication in our community. History is also not on our side. Alcohol use has become deeply ingrained in, in the LGBTQ community as a result of history. For many decades, the only places that LGBTQ individuals could be open about their sexuality and feel safe was in gay bars. Drinking became one of the primary social interactions in our community. So alcohol abuse has therefore become normalized. That's why it's important to queer up space in different parts of the community of the city as we do in our meetup group. In our meetup group, we organize different kinds of social interactions outside of the WeHo bar scene. We hike, we read, we watch movies, we organize carnesadas in addition to traditional West Hollywood bar hops. By queering up space in other communities, we open up social interactions that don't center around bars. And the third point is that that there's still potential discrimination in addiction treatment centers. In addition to limited specialized services, LGBT individuals may be reluctant to seek treatment or disclose their sexual orientation during treatment out of concern that treatment providers might be unwilling, uh, unwilling and unwelcoming to them. Uh, Latinos in general are less likely to talk to doctors about their psychological stressors and only 10% actually seek mental health treatment. So stigma, intolerance, and open discrimination are substantial barriers to substance use prevention and treatment in the LGBT community. So the environment of discrimination, homophobia, ghettoization of LGBTQ culture, and the lack of treatment services increases our risk of substance abuse. Essentially, the environment is toxic and hurts our community in very specific ways. And that's why I want to talk more about this topic in future episodes. I included some links to resources in our show notes to help people find local AA groups near them. And I also included the link to the 2015 national survey that I cited. I did this in an effort to provide psychoeducation and resources for people that are listening to us.
This is your host, Veronica, and I want to thank you for listening to the Latina Lesbian Ike podcast. Continue to listen to us as we dive into the lives of Latina, lesbian, bisexual, and queer mujeres. Please subscribe to our podcast so that we can build a strong online Latinx LGBT presence and visit us at our website, www.latinalesbipodcast.com. You can find the link on our website or in the notes section of this episode. Let us know what you think by sending us an email at latinabylesbian at gmail.com. Hasta pronto, amigas.